super candid today. So we're doing the Coronacle editions of everything. And we originally had our particular guests that we're having on today um, scheduled for a more formal interview about beauty. But I guess as a business owner and one of our favorite providers here at the clinic, Kasha and I wanted to bring everyone in the Rosé Room Coronacle or Coronacle's edition, um, a special guest and a business perspective from the special guest. So Kasha, go ahead and introduce our beautiful and talented guest. All right, everybody, we have Maria Khalil, and she is the acting CEO and president of VI Aesthetics. And so a lot of our patients, if you've been in our clinic before, even if you follow our social media, you will see us posting VI Peel all the time. So you can thank this wonderful woman and her family uh, for giving us this incredible product. And I'll kind of let you introduce yourself, and then we'll dive into the mechanics of the VI industry and, and how your brand has grown over the past few years. Yeah. Thank you for having me today, by the way. I know these are weird, strange times, but actually this is helping me keep some kind of normalcy and to just have a conversation with two other human beings is wonderful. So thank you for that. You are so welcome. (laughs) So yeah, like you mentioned, the VI peel, we are the Mm. number one medium depth chemical peel here in the United States. We're really known for our amazing results on skin of color, on pigmentation, on sun damage. We are incredible for skin texture. And, you know, as you know, you have a practice, like we're just one of the amazing treatments that you need to holistically treat your patient's skin. And we also have a full skincare line. We have about 4,000 accounts here in the United States where you can find the VIP. And yeah, we're just really proud of what we can deliver for patient skin around the world. Um, it's really impressive because this is a family owned and operated business. Um, your father is the one who created the first VI formula, correct? Yeah, we have a really interesting story. So we are a family owned business, but I'm really the only one in the family that has a active role in the company. And recently about three years ago, my husband actually started working for the business. So I do have two sisters that are owners as well, but they don't have active roles in the company. And the the product was created by my father and the company was started by my father. And he originally had created the peel to treat my own acne in high school. But, um, and now I try and forget this date, but it's been seven years now, I think. Seven years, my dad passed away. Oh, very so sorry. unexpectedly, yeah, super unexpectedly, completely sudden, not planned at all, nothing prepared for anything of that sort at all. So that happened seven years ago. And I was already working in the business, but obviously not to the extent of CEO. I was helping with customer service and I was always like sort of like office manager, HR kind of role. So that's when I really, that's when I shifted to CEO. And all I was really thinking at the time is how can I keep this business open and how can I make sure that I can keep everyone employed? (laughs) So, so we're family, we're family started, we're family owned, but, and we do have obviously a, a very family centered creation story because it's about a father who created a product for his daughter. I don't know how much more family oriented you can get there. Yeah. 
on the day to day, it's me and now my husband who works in sales. Um, oh, wow. I wish I, I know my husband. So many questions. I don't know. There's so many good questions to talk about there, I feel like, because yeah. I was always the woman that was like, I will never work with my husband. This is my parents. <laughs> this is me. I tell him all the time. He's like, let's have a technology company. I'm like, I right now would rather jump off a bridge than have to go to work with really? you. Right now. I, it's not that I don't, I'm not not recommending it because obviously my husband and I work together and it's great. And sure, of course we fight. We keep it really professional. We do not fight in the office as much as possible. But maybe my husband <laughs> something else. But it is not for every couple. I know. Well, I no. think it's important that you two both have separation within the business. Like, and that's what I was telling Dean. If I, my husband, I said, if we ever have a business, like I have to do one thing and then you have to do another. And those two things can never like cross paths. So I get it. Cause it's just, it's whether you're well-structured or not to manifest that type of business relationship with your spouse. Yeah. And you have to respect boundaries and limitations and decisions. You have to respect decisions. And so if someone makes a decision that you don't agree with, it is important to talk about why you don't agree with it. I think confrontation in business, whether you're family or you're married or you're not and you're just coworkers, confrontation is really important in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're working with family, the respect part there's a gray area yeah oh god we do yeah so (laughs) it's funny that you say that so for a couple reasons obviously we're all very close in age but the fact that you became a ceo at 25 right really speaks to to your character and your business savvy because you've been acting as ceo now for the past seven years right Mm -hmm. um so in that time you've been able to really grow that entire brand to you guys have five medical uh grade peels yeah and a skincare line which is crazy and now your husband works for the company and and you're just making it work and congratulations on your rebrand um i've been a very big vi derm patient like even since back in the day before we ever owned a clinic um so i saw that you guys recently relaunched and uh one of my favorite products is still there so thank goodness the vitamin c is okay. still there. Thank yeah. goodness. We're good. We're good. Because it could have gone the other way. I know. I know. But that's okay. I think, you know, um, your yeah. approach to skincare is actually really fascinating to me. Um, are you a, are you a medical doctor? I work with my dad and I'm not. So are you? I'm actually not. Okay. Me neither. I'm not a medical doctor, but yeah, my dad was a medical doctor and I had acne growing up. I still have acne. And I think that when you have some kind of skin concern, you become a skin expert very quickly <laughs> and very early. Of course. Was he so, a dermatologist? He was, yeah. Okay. And, um, he was an aesthetic physician. Oh, that is amazing. I forced my parents into aesthetics. My dad's a, you know, a cardiovascular thoracic surgeon and my mom is an, his nurse or like an OR nurse. So I'm like, I had to force my parents into aesthetics. Was it interesting to be, I guess, always in that Wait, type of... Sorry, my dad wasn't a dermatologist. My oh. dad was an aesthetic physician. He was actually an emergency room doctor. Oh, okay. So did he find aesthetic medicine later? Okay, like every doctor does when they're over it at the Sounds hospital. Sounds like a similar story. Totally. And it's so weird because did that transition happen for you as like a child? Were you watching your dad go into surgery like all the time? Yeah, so my dad, I barely saw my dad. Me too, he was yeah. an emergency room doctor and he had night shifts. So he would sleep during the day and work all night. No balance of life and work, clearly. And and then in the early, in the late 1990s, he learned about Botox. Of course. Yes. I wish my and dad learned was, about it in the nineties. <laughs> and that like, that just opened the doors. He was a really 
unhappy already with the emergency room medicine and just looking to make a shift and aesthetics and this is over 20 years ago was such a new thing of course and and yeah it opened a whole new door for him and he actually ended up becoming an expert in aesthetics and he would he had his own seminars he had his own uh society of aesthetic medicine where he would travel around the world training other doctors on aesthetics wow that's amazing that is incredible that's literally the route that we're taking now as we're segueing into more of the education sector um but we'll touch on that in a little bit because i feel like that is a question that i want to ask like the three of us in a litter. Okay, we'll, so we'll, Cashin's we'll gonna, put a pause on. Oh, Cashin's okay. gonna lay it up for you. That's yeah. what that means. She's gonna like set it up nice. So okay, Cashin has a list of very interesting and pertinent questions mm-hmm. to this specific time period because, like I said, we were not expecting the first list of questions we have are completely non applicable with the apocalypse happening outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. So there's that. But uh, you know, before all of this, what what in this meaning the pandemic that has now rendered all of us. Uh, bedridden yes um (laughs) what was a typical day like for you and how has that changed now changed a lot um i am not one that loves working from home (laughs) or did it very often so it's definitely changed before my typical day would be that i would wake up before six o'clock to work out outside my house get in the car do a gym class Mm -hmm. then Depending on the day, I would come back home, get ready, and then take my son to school, who's three years old. Oh my then, gosh. yeah, drop him off at school and then head to the office. So if it was a Monday morning, it would be Monday morning. We all have a all hands meeting. We all, everyone in the whole team gets on a phone call or in person if you work out of our office. and. We have our Monday morning meeting. We talk about what we got done last week, what we have on our plates this week. And just like, that's how we start the week off. And we're still doing it, but by phone. And then I have a meeting with my customer service team where same thing, we go over what promotions we're having this week or what new things that we need to keep in mind when we talk to customers that we might want to talk to them about. And then, I mean, my days are just filled with meetings and calls. I usually don't have very many breaks in between anything. And um, I deal with all the international distributors. So I might have a call with one of them about our relaunch, which not the best timing, but we still went through with the relaunch. (laughs) Maybe we couldn't really do much about it. Uh, Conference calls, maybe a lunch meeting. Then sometimes we have like influencers come in to get peels. So maybe we're doing like a little Instagram video with them on how their peel process is and then, you know, marketing meetings. So things are sort of trying to stay as normal as possible. Everything's just moved to zoom or phone. Yeah, totally. And I, it's, it's unique for a person who sells a product because we have never been in a position where we've been dealing with inventory or sales. And what you've highlighted a lot about your day is sales oriented. Um, you remind me a lot of Sarah Blakely of a lot of Sarah Blakely. And I don't know if you know, she made Spanx, but it's so fun because she, she really brings a perspective of selling an item. And I've never gotten to talk to somebody who sells an item and beauty that I truly love and adore. So you're spending so much time in your day selling this particular product, but it's not necessarily a product that I can just go into Nordy's and buy. So Mm -hmm. what is sales 
with the medical component. And it's important to me because you can only sell to very certain people and Cashin and I have wanted to go on this journey. And I've always been interested on the sales method in comparison to like telling people what VI Peel is in the real world and then selling it to actual providers because you have another step included in your sales yeah. method. Yeah, and I think with that, there was a long, there was a long period of time where we had convinced ourselves that we were B2B only and so since we're only b2b because yes our customers are businesses we don't sell to consumers right now and the peel will never be sold to a consumer of course but if you think that way about your business you're gonna be very stuck um no matter what you sell whether your customers are businesses you still need to think about b2c because getting the consumer to go ask for the product is not going to happen on its own. And that's where like that's where the marketing and the education and things like social media where a lot of brands like to try to ignore the social media aspect but you're not going to you can't ignore it. You're not going to get as far even if your customers are businesses. There's still the B2C that you have to pay attention to. So with us since we do we do add value to businesses. So you know, you're have, you have a business, you're trying to run a business you're trying to add products and services that are going to add value to your patients. So a lot of the accounts that come to us, it is really organic where they heard about it from another practitioner. I will say that happens a lot. It's been happening a lot though, that a lot of nurses and estheticians and doctors are coming to us through Instagram. Totally. Someone they saw before and after get posted somewhere else. And then they, we get like maybe 30 leads a week organically. That's pretty good. And then obviously our sales reps work on their own list of, of leads that they get through like Google searches or driving around. Driving around is a great way to get leads sometimes. Or sometimes you're in a medical office and you're visiting one account, but there's like a hundred other offices in that one building. Mm -hmm. So the, I forgot now what the question was. <laughs> no, it's just selling, a, like having that educational component along with yeah. your sales strategy is it's, it's, yeah. you're, you're so eloquent and just, you know, kind of explaining the process through that because so we've been doing a lot of other like interesting things too, where we do like seminars oh, in okay. cities and we'll invite leads maybe to come have an event in person and learn more about the product. That's a great way to get in touch. And now since we're all moving off to digital by force, We've been doing a lot of webinars. We did a webinar last week on how to combine the VIP and Botox. And I was like, oh God, we had like over 400 people registered. I'm like, oh, no one's gonna show up. Like this is, <laughs> this is not good timing. And it ended up about 150 people showed up. Wow. So it was a big drop down from the 400, but still. Still a great turnout. I mean, I, I thought we were going to be closer to like under 50. So I was super thrilled to see that many people on it. This is the time for businesses to try and educate mm -hmm. digitally as much as you can. So we're trying to uh, see how else we can create value because I really don't think it's the right time to call your accounts and ask them for orders. I just think it's wrong. I think if, if, if they need product, then yes, fill their order. But I don't think it's the right time to be, even even with the consumer companies, I've been seeing a lot of them like throwing promotions at us. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't want to be thrown a million promotions right now. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of something that we've had to kind of reassess in our own business and in light, because each city is different with some of these regulations too right now. So obviously in Vegas, non-essential businesses have to close down and, you know, apparently we're non-essential. So like you said, how do we create and maintain value? Because, you know, they basically had our very successful and busy clinic come to a halt. And we are solely service providership. So how do you still make money if you can through ways of non-service related items, right? And so that's really forced us to kind of be creative and how are we going to change our business model moving forward? So if something like this happens again, we can be more prepared and it doesn't set our brand back. So you guys have highlighted on that. Well, hey, we just took our seminars to webinars, which is brilliant. Um, webinars are also a great way to make money, you know, 24 seven, if there's something that people can log into and it's not a live one, obviously Mm -hmm. live ones are great too. Um, but that's something that she and I have been talking about, which is why I wanted to revisit this conversation of, you know, the pandemic impact on business and creativity and productivity. So as business leaders, what do we have to do to make sure that we're all protected in light of something like this? Or how do we, you know, do we take this time to regroup on ourselves or do we take this time to regroup the business? Right. And so as a CEO who has basically you're the point person for every single person in your department or I'm sorry, in your organization, you kind of have to be the yes person, the decision maker. And sometimes that doesn't always allow for creativity. Um, Mm -hmm. And then same with Taylor and I, we kind of noticed, hey, we're like really good at keeping the engine going, but sometimes we need to take a step back and reassess how do we be a little bit more interesting? How do we get ahead of ourselves, you know, outside of the day to day? And so this is kind of my question to you, like outside of the webinars that you guys have been doing, like, have you been taking this time to kind of regroup the business and say, these are the new pathways we're going to start forging once this whole thing is lifted basically, or... So, I mean, my one goal is to make sure I can keep everyone on staff, right? Yeah. That's like in my head, that's my main goal. So I'm just trying to think of like breaking even mm-hmm. and we are different than your business. We're not all service. So we have a few more ways we can get creative and like diversify, but that's one thing that this pandemic has taught me in every facet, personal and professional, how important it is to diversify Mm -hmm. and to make sure like your stream of income or whatever your investments are are not like in one basket. So for us, we, the domestic sales are starting to come to a halt basically. Like now, last week was okay. It wasn't a wonderful week, but now I'm seeing the numbers really come to a halt. But international, we had a few orders for international still come through. So I'm like, okay, that's one channel we still have that isn't maybe not every country is affected as as us yeah and then um online sales you know we we were supposed to launch our new line last week we did launch it but the launch clearly did not go as well as we planned because it's not so the other thing that we were going to do though with our launch is we were going to start selling our products direct to consumer now only the skincare not the peel of course um so that's not something that's that would have helped the channel diversify more but it, it the timing wasn't right so the other things that we're trying we're trying to just connect with our customers and like just call them and see how they are versus like calling them to try and get a sale yeah so maybe just have a conversation with them because we should be partners with these people whether it's in product or in business whatever it is mm-hmm. so just trying to have more conversations with them see how we could help them 
Um, this is a great time for them to educate themselves. So we're saying like, take our webinars, learn more. So when you're up and running, maybe you have an, a few new tools you can use. We have an online learning portal. It's uh, kind of like something when you do online school, we have that, an LMS. So it's a VI Academy where you can log in and take classes on the VIPO complete courses. So we're encouraging them, you know, brush up on some of your skills on product knowledge, ingredient knowledge. What else are we doing? Um, the webinars, the seminars, we're doing um, more Instagram polls. We're gonna do Instagram live starting tomorrow. We're trying to see if any any of our reps or accounts wanna do like a, a Instagram live together. Mm -hmm. totally. Do like interviews there. People are online a lot right now, so oh, absolutely. we have a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. We Next, we have a, an amazing physician out of New Jersey, Dr. Downey. She's going to be doing our webinar on skin of color. Oh, love so it. We're excited about that. Um, I'm going to talk to you about skin. I know I'm going to go on a tangent right now because I'm just, <laughs> we're with you, girl, in the boats of diversifying content. I think this is really what you're highlighting here is it's not a service-based message anymore. It's not a product-based message anymore. It's more or less a message about what's going on in the real world and how to educate people once they can participate once again. Um, but I like your stopping point right here about skin of color. Um, so if you didn't know, like we are obsessed with your VI appeal because obviously the majority of people who started this clinic are half black, half white. Um, so my mom is a very big user. She has terrible melasma. Um, and then Cashton obsessed. Um, I am also in love and the majority of people in the clinic get them quite religiously. So how did you come succumb or like what, uh, what did your dad have to do to make this type of appeal and this type of skincare? Uh, for people with more melanin. Yeah, so I think one thing that comes up a lot when I, when I talk about having a higher Fitzpatrick type is someone looks at me and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you look, you don't have a higher Fitzpatrick type. Like, you don't look dark. And so Fitzpatrick types are not about looking at someone with your naked eye and saying that they're dark or light, right? So, and I, and you know, I can... I can tell as much as I can about how Fitzpatrick types work, but um, Fitzpatrick types, there's like an actual questionnaire, right? Based on where your parents are from. So nationality is, is the genetic aspect of Fitzpatrick type. It's not just looking at someone and saying, oh, you look really light, like you're not a high Fitzpatrick type. Oh, and for the listeners who don't know what Fitzpatrick types are, because not everybody is into skin, no. um, it's how light to dark you are in skin tone, but it's actually the response. So like, um, for instance, um, you know, I look very light, but my mom is mixed race, so I actually hyperpigment in a second. If I get a pimple, it's dark for a year. So that's, I'm, I'm actually a four. The test I took is a four, but yeah. I look like a two. So yeah. um, for our listeners out there, Fitzpatrick's, type is how like much you burn in the sun versus how much you really don't exactly and so there's an actual questionnaire if anyone's curious they can look it up and um some of the questions are like if you get a burn what happens so you just said right. you you hyperpigment if you go out in the sun what happens to your skin do you burn do you always burn do you tan it's like a very specific set of questions and it's a scale of skin tone but again i think it's really important to remember that you can't look at someone with their naked eye and tell their Fitzpatrick type and you can't judge you can't judge what someone's how someone's skin is going to react to any kind of treatment based on their skin tone color into your eyes so my mom is cuban and my dad was lebanese 
And so when my dad first created the peel, we, we lived in Miami, that's where we're from. So his patient base is completely mixed. In Miami, I don't even know if we have any Caucasian people really. I don't think so, really. <laughs> it is such an international city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have treatments that are not safe for all skin types, I mean, what you do you nothing. offer? You have nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You have nothing because no one that's walking in your office is gonna be a one or two. I yeah. can promise you that probably in Miami very small subset. So you, so first and foremost, when he went out, when he set out to create a chemical peel that was safe for me specifically because I had acne and I have the mixed background and other treatments out there on darker skin, you have to pre-treat, right? So he really wanted to create something that was safe for all skin tones so that you wouldn't have to pre-treat you wouldn't have any surprises. That's the one thing practitioners don't want. Yeah. They don't want surprises. Mm-hmm. So he ended up just, what he did was he combined the five different acids at a much lower percentage, which was able to control the mechanisms of the acids better, which is why we don't see the hyperpigmentation. And the other thing is our post peel protectant has hydrocortisone in it. We love which that I- stuff. Ugh, it helps with inflammation. Yeah, it helps with inflammation. That's what's making that also is what makes the VI peel safer on all Fitzpatrick types is the is the post peel protectant mm-hmm. too. And just like the way that we we plan out the steps, and I know you guys are familiar with the VI peel, but there's you know, there's a lot of special things that make the VI peel safe for all skin tones. I think it looks really aggressive and crazy. And when patients first heard about this before we did a lot of education on it, because we have to do so much education online and in clinic. So teaching patients that yes, you are going to look like a scaly snake shedding its skin for three days, but it is for a reason I think is very key. Like for patients to know that that's okay in life to be looking crazy once a quarter for three days. Um, But you originally had acne and I know so many of our patients struggle with acne and bad skin and being a woman that's under the age of, you know, 40, it's just hormones, craziness. You've had a baby since then and all of that. Um, Have you been consistently getting VI peels for your acne and and really how has acne, your acne journey and VI peel been, you know, part of you? Yeah, no, I, my, the, the VI peel like saved my life and my skin like multiple times, I think. Um, so yeah, I started getting acne when, when I was 14 and it was like very cystic, angry acne. And part of the acne process is like what you said, there's so many different things that contribute to it that we can't control like hormones. You can, yes, you can control somewhat with birth control and some other oral medications out there, but there's just so many facets to it. And everyone's acne is very different as well. Like some people react really well to certain treatments and some get no difference. So for me, it's many things that I have to do. For instance, personally, not eating dairy helps my acne. For some people, it does nothing actually. Like it makes no difference. The other thing with the dairy, can you hear my son right now? Yeah, he's so cute, but we don't mind. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. It's the chronicles, honey, and nothing is refined around here. Yeah. We're just, we'll <laughs> re-interview. He's got a lot to say. Yeah. Like, when it's we, okay. When we get a real editor back, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll re-interview with the real questions. <laughs> don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> it's home edition, honey. There's sorry. No, I know. Be, he's so don't cute. be sorry. It's adorable. You're working yeah. on This is real life happening in front this of us, is not, that That's the one thing. They don't understand when I'm home, but I'm working. They're like, what are you doing? You're not working. 
You're not the op- if you're not at the office, then you're not working. Yeah. If you're not at the office, then you can play with me. And what are you doing over there? I love it. They don't understand. It's a busy no, mom so thing. And honestly, it's great to see. Because I, I, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know I'm terrified to have children. But you're beautiful, thin, and working. So you give me some hope in life that I could maybe do it too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it makes you so much stronger as a human being, I have to say. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. It's definitely scary and there's a lot of things that I didn't know were going to happen but it makes you feel so much stronger as a woman once you have kids too how is it it balancing like working full-time and having the the babies first of all do not have kids with someone that's not going to help out if so seriously my husband helps with the kid and I say helps like okay there it's their kids too so it's not helping. <laughs> like they participate as well yeah like so I've heard a guy say like I'm babysitting tonight and I'm like you're not fucking babysitting they're your kids yeah like, you don't babysit your yeah. own kids yeah so or, or I've heard men being proud of not changing a diaper ever and I'm like you're just <gasps> you're embarrassing to humanity yeah you never change your child's diaper yeah, this no. is not a one-sided thing so my first thing is and and it's kind of hard to know how they're going to be after you have kids because sometimes they're different than you thought they would be <laughs> but, um seriously start there i don't know if you if the guy is has is very selfish and doesn't have like very much nurturing genetics in there i, I would not have kids with them because you will go nuts like you need to have someone that's going to do his part yeah, agreed. Not one. It's not a one-person job. You hear that, Rosé Buds? You heard it here first. Yeah, I, people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that Taylor and I have touched on, you know, even with running a business, right? Like, it takes a village to do something successfully. And, you know, and raising a child is one of those things as well. And I think a lot of what we've been fearful of is the sacrifice in business, you know, that most women are usually forced to choose between, right? And you are like, uh, no, first of all, I'm CEO, have been for a minute, thank you. And my husband works for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's helpful with my, with our, no my, see, with our, um, sorry, Siri is chiming in. Uh, <laughs> and he's helpful with, you know, our child. And I think that's so important because not everybody has that support. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think even as us, like Taylor, I'm not married, but Taylor is married and, you know, her husband's like, I'm ready to have kids. And Taylor's like, me too? Me 1.5? I, I, want, yeah. I want to. And then yeah. like coronavirus happens and I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys. I'm like, he's ready to kill me. And we've only been home for one week. And I'm like, could you imagine just like another person here talking to me? Like, why? Like, I want this. And then they don't want what you want to eat. Like, I've babysat my nieces and nephews enough to know. Like, no one's eating tabbouleh and sea bass at 10 a.m. So, you know, I just think it's, it's for me, it's such a change in routine. And that's why it scares me because it's already so hard to get up every day. And like I say all the time, brush my own hair. Nonetheless, someone else. And my children will have very curly hair. So Lord only knows. Like, I'm going to need a class for that. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I just think it's amazing because I've always been very co- concerned that my routine would change so dramatically that I wouldn't be able to run a business and be a good wife and, you know, not be one of those people that never sees their husband because you work with your husband, you have kids with your husband, you live at home with him. I'm as trying well. to see my husband less. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, you're like, it, less date nights, please. And thank you. I get it. So I'm like, it's a hard one. And then when they're grown girl, that's going to be like a whole nother thing for you. Cause my parents work together 
my whole life. And then I like grew up and moved out. And my mom was like, what am I supposed to do with this man, Taylor? <laughs> you just left me here with my, with your father and I'm just supposed to stare at him. So oh my God. I know. So that's <laughs> I know. But for like you. you said, like, yes, your routine is going to change. Like life changes, but then you get in your groove again and you're like, okay, this is, I really love this, my new routine. Yeah. More than my old routine, but routines are important. It's the happiness. Especially as we're all realizing this, as we're all quarantined and we're like, help us, please. <laughs> I went to the park yesterday, you guys, on a side note, and I just could not believe how many people were at the park. Everywhere. I had to go home. I had. To, I was like, I have to go home yeah. from here. It's my, too many. My oh, boyfriend, really? Yeah, my boyfriend and I went hiking uh, last weekend, and we went through like a, a trail that's not usually inundated with people out by Red Rock Canyon. Um, and there were so many groups of people like 12 and 15, like, and by the way, everyone's knocking on millennials. It, they, these were people of retirement age that were all hiking together. The boomers. Yeah. This was not like a bunch of like people, like I'm 27. It wasn't a bunch of 27 year olds. It was my parents were out there hiking with all of their friends they ever knew. And I'm like, okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I saw a really funny meme yesterday and it showed a group of people and it said, before the coronavirus and everyone was like at home on their cell phones on their couch and then it said after and it's like everyone's yeah. during it's like everyone's hiking and fresh air like you guys never wanted to go outside before now you guys are realizing it's so true <laughs> out there it's so now true. you miss it you've yeah, been you on do. your phones all day i was just telling my friend on facetime like right before we got on the call with you and i was like i just would give anything to go out to eat at a restaurant oh, right now too. and then go to happy hour and then i want to go to disneyland and there's just so many things i'm gonna do <laughs> and it's just i don't even know i never knew what i wanted till i couldn't have it or like i, I think that this time really forces us to to realize like wow like all the things that i put on the back burner like i can't even do now with the downtime and this yeah. is going to really cause me to reassess like my own personal routine as a person like to not make sacrifices over and over again if it's like who knows I'm, another pandemic might happen and then i really can't go to i literally was going to go to disneyland at the end of this month the first time in She's five so years that i was like i'm gonna make time to do this yeah. And last I, time I tried to go to Disneyland, um, the Cajon Pass was totally frozen and I had the three hours wait between Prim and Las Vegas. So I don't think Disneyland is for us. I think we need to stop wanting to go to Disneyland. I'm, I'm, I'm doing so many bad things. But okay, so in as you can see, we're having an absolute meltdown in this time of self quarantine. Uh, what are you doing to keep busy and fun? How how have you kept self care, I guess, going during quarantine? So back to having a routine is super important. And I think still waking up, I have two little kids, so I'm waking up early anyway. There's yeah. no sleep. That's one thing, forget about sleeping in when you have kids, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no such thing as sleeping in. So uh, where, but the thing is, you know what? I used to wake up earlier and go out and work out. Yeah. So I'm not gonna lie, I have been really low energy since mm -hmm. being inside. So I'm not waking up early anymore to go work out. And I'm waking up like at 6.45, 7, when the kids are waking up, getting up, making them breakfast, then getting dressed, and then starting my day. And my first call, I have a call every morning at 8.45 with the customer service team. So that's that was me trying to have some, some type of normalcy for them and for me. Mm -hmm. We're like, every morning, let's get off on the right foot. Make sure you put clothes on because we're doing a video call. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend you've been awake for hours, even if you haven't, yeah. like wipe your eyes and let's get on this video call yeah. and we're going to talk for a while. 
And so it's a good way to, I can tell it, it helps them start the day off on the right foot at least Mm -hmm. have some kind of contact with the rest of the team where they don't get to see them anymore. So, and then, um, I'm working out at home, which I hate. Me I can't too. Me home. too. Oh, it's, the it's hard. so bad. I hate it. Like I kind of, like I absolutely, I'm doing it kicking and screaming. I hate it. So. <laughs> um, and then I go on a walk. I do go on a walk every night, like for an hour with my kids. That's like six so good. Yeah. And an I haven't, yeah, it's an hour. You need it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I know. <laughs> I know because we're not. Going, I'm kind of sore walking. today from my walk. I'm like, that's. Not, I'm getting sore from a walk. Do all good. your children also walk, or are you pushing them? I'm pushing. No, oh, they're my no. my husband is pushing them in the stroller because that stroller is heavy. Yeah, girl. Sound. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not toting around fat little tater tots up a no, hill for a mile. I can't or an hour. It's like, oh, no, I can't do this. This is really heavy. So. <laughs> Well, and also for because I know everyone can't see her right now, but she is very thin. She's mm-hmm. like, you know. Yeah, you're goal weight. Yeah, you're. I'm like, look at you. I'm like, if I don't look like this out of quarantine, like I really didn't use my time wisely. So I too will be going on an hour walk today at some point. Run a run, and I'll be pushing my boyfriend up the street in the stroller. Exactly. You know what's fun though is doing like a lot of the at home. I don't know if you like dancing, but doing more of like the dancey workouts because they're fun. You know what? I've been doing a lot with my kids that I didn't do before. I've been dancing with them just like oh, in the cute. free room. They love Dua Lipa. My son, oh, my son is obsessed with Dua Lipa. We do a Lipa and we like dance. And you know what's sad? We didn't do that before. Yeah. And yeah. Now we're dancing in the playroom together. Oh, I love that. It's just so much time for oh. self slowdown and reflection because we've been so busy. Yeah. And that's why I was really interested to hear your perspective on being a CEO of a very busy company, um, yeah. leading a lot of people, and then still having to kind of be one of the leaders in your home. Um, so yeah. it's it's good to hear that you're not crumbling to the ground because I think <laughs> if I had inventory no. and I had to store it, I would be crumbling. You know, it's just different challenges and different things, you know. And we plan. You know, we do we ever plan for something like this? No. But we always have plans for some kind of situation that might, you know, at least inhibit the business for a certain period of time. And we still don't know how long this is going to last. I'm hoping shorter, yeah. not longer. But yeah, we always had like backup funds to make sure that we can keep paying people and pay the rent. And so we're okay for a couple months. Oh, thank we've, God. You know, we've made plans in case that happens. And you know, it, what's really prepared me for a lot of this in weird ways. I never thought it would, but my dad passing away suddenly. Right. You think about it and that we didn't plan that. That happened out of nowhere. I was never a CEO before. I never worked anywhere else before. And all of a sudden I had to figure out how to, you know, put this company back together and keep the lights on. So that prepared me for a lot. It was your own personal apocalypse. You know, it and, was and my having own to do personal that. apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know what? Sometimes the bad stuff that happens to us prepares us in ways we never thought would happen. Yeah, I still don't wish that on anyone, no. but it did make me stronger in a lot of ways. To that, to the, to the point that I can deal with a lot of bad things happening, and I can problem solve really well. And I'm always like, okay, we're gonna figure this out. Let's not sulk. Yeah, this is not the time to sulk. This is the time to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. How are we going to diversify? What are we going to do with our time to make value out of it? And I've been asking my team too, like, so, you know, what you normally do there is not happening. Like what, what else would you like to do? What's a project that you've been putting off for a while now that you have all this time? Right. Right. 
Well, and it's just a good thing that you um, didn't take that lesson in vain. I think as millennials, we learn lessons time and time again. I can't even tell you how many times in my lifetime it, before I was married, like I didn't have enough money to do this. I wasn't saving for a house. Like I wasn't being responsible. And it takes these pinnacle moments in your life to be like, oh, I'm actually not doing what I need to do. And I think the struggle for us and our listeners is a lot of people don't have the resource to save. You know, in a business, you're always having that cash flow and that income, but it's a lot different um, saving in your business than it is saving personally. And I know you're like, we're yeah. great for a couple months. And I'm like, I need to figure out how we're going to be able to pay prepay a whole year because like what happens if we, you know, Kasha and I have to go build a completely different business if my parents one day, you know, aren't here. And I would be very much where you are if my dad immediately wasn't on the planet one day because he's our medical provider and we would cease to exist as I know it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, well, my own personal apocalypse happened to be coronavirus and I yeah. don't need to find out what it's going to be if my dad drops dead one day, you know, to need to be prepared. Um, and Kasha and I have really focused on diversifying our particular means of um, money as not only service, but education. So we're building a whole platform where people can learn about Botox. Um, I'd love to teach people, um, even your product, sometimes there's extension questions and mm-hmm. we've sent yeah. a lot of our estheticians to your classes and stuff like that. So um, education is the way forward. I think keeping people engaged in that and then them being able to take those skills and then use them in the real world is the harder part for clinicians. Um, but it's hard and it's it's lessons day by day. And I just worry because a lot of my staff are millennials that I love and adore um, that haven't had the privilege to save because we don't even make enough money to like drink beer on the weekends from all the college debt. And, you know, we're just now graduating and we're graduating in a time where if you didn't do biomedicine, you might not have a job for a little while. So the impact of all this and everything, your story is so inspiring because while you built something fantastic and your family did too, you have been really responsible for keeping that alive and doing, by the way, phenomenally, because I feel like today is a day where there isn't someone who knows VIP. And I'm sure, you know, seven years ago when you were in that position, that wasn't the case. So to do an amazing job with some, something someone gave you unexpectedly is the most inspiring thing of my week, really. Thank you. And I always say, I mean, the product is what drives us forward. My dad really did create a, a phenomenal product. Yeah. And the VIP is just amazing. And um, so I didn't found the company and, you know, I always keep that in mind, but I really do feel as a woman that I completely revolutionized the company and I changed the culture of the company. I really changed yeah. the culture of the company. It was not the same company before my dad passed away. It really wasn't. And women lead in a different way than men lead. Um, and I'm, I, I'm very, I'm a very hands-on leader. Um, and so there's just like ways that the company changed tremendously that, yeah, maybe, maybe if this, this, the events didn't happen the way they happened, maybe we wouldn't be where we are right now. I don't know. And I'm also very, um, technology focused. So even though we're not a technology company, we are on a lot of platforms and we use a lot of different uh, technologies, which is why we're okay right now too. We can still run the business because we can work from home Mm -hmm. because we're all like basically working off all these cloud-based. Yeah, absolutely. We've had to do that as well. I I know when we opened the clinic, my dad was like, well, where are all the paper charts? Like (laughs) where's all the, and I'm like, oh dad, we left that long ago. Like this is your new iPad. Look at it when you need it. Um, so it's amazing. And you get pushback still, even from, from like coworkers or teammates or employees that are not, 
um, used to using so much technology or like when you introduce another new one, they're like another thing. And yep. I'm like, listen to me, mm -hmm. it's going to be good for you. You're going <laughs> to like it. Let's talk in a few months. You're not going to like it at first. Is Nothing your, is your employee base pretty diverse in age or are they pretty like all our age? diverse okay that's amazing I, I would say it's very diverse actually like even with the sales reps because we have like 40 sales reps in the united states right. and it's a, it runs the gamut that's awesome though because they all have a different perspective on sales i know like our rep for uh, vi is not too much older than us i think she made maximum 10 years older than us and she's been so fabulous i do love her um so it's it's weird because i think if we ever had a product-based thing that we were selling and cash and i've gone back and forth we only sell brush soap right now and i am dying like you guys dying to do mm -hmm. clinical based products i don't know what they are but i would love to make syringes mm -hmm. and like interesting yeah. things in life but i'm also petrified because the medical manufacturing side of these things is wild to me um so has that been something as obviously like a ceo you've been like you're basically a medical company you're a pharmaceutical company in essence mm -hmm. on paper so yeah so and we we're we're a distributor so we don't manufacture oh, any of God. we don't stressful we have a contract manufacturer okay here in california we manufacture everything in the united states which i think also really helps us because they haven't been shut down. No, no, no. Yeah. But, if anything, they're yeah. strengthened with what maybe supply chain over time with like supplies, but no, it, you'd be very supportive. Well, one way, like one thing that was, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny, but like we got kicked off the supply. We got kicked off the schedule at one of our manufacturers so that they could make more hand sanitizer. Of course. Yes. Like, oh, okay. So I think we'll, we're going to be behind schedule on one of our items, but we're still going to, we're not going to run out of stock. You know, with supply chain, we try and keep eight weeks safety stock. Now we're moving it to 12 weeks. So even if there is some kind of disaster where things shut down, we always have safety stock. Totally. And we're going to be running some specials on VIPLs when we reopen because we've had so many requests and I don't think people are going to be going back to work as full time. Yeah. So it's a perfect season. I wish we could open now. Um, but yeah. what, um, what, what uh, I know this, this kind of wraps up like our little ending. So we always ask all of our um, people who come on an interview, what would you tell um, any young entrepreneur today um, about, you know, life or business? So like, what's your mantra? What would you say to someone? So I know my, my thing is kind of simple. I'm like, I'm, I'm a very simple, concrete kind of girl. And I think my biggest piece of advice for someone is that, that you should ask a lot of questions and you should be very curious and never never act like the smartest person in the room that kind of thing like i think we should always be learning no matter how expert you are in something or how long you've been running a business i think it's super important to always get feedback from people i mean sometimes when i even write an email that's going to someone important i send it to someone else to read it and be like, can you just check my work? Like, I just think it's really important to never think you're the best, you, you know everything, and to get advice from other people, other industries. I'm a, I'm a member of a group called Vistage, and it's basically a club for business owners. So I meet once a month with other business owners in LA, all different industries. They usually keep it non-competitive, and we talk about each other's issues we give each other advice and it's like a very safe space where everything's confidential but i don't know i just think it's really important to always be learning 
and always be yeah and be curious and asking questions and and to read a lot and research and you know that's kind of my thing for how I stay on top of everything. No, I love that because this answer is always different from, you know, leader to leader. And I think that's also very important because everyone, that's a strength that you obviously bring within your own company. And as you know, you're like, listen, we've been able to diversify. And, you know, that's really indicative of you being a forward thinker and also kind of like a sponge to outside knowledge to say, oh no, we can't bat away from technology or from implementing new systems that will benefit be beneficial in the future for the entirety of the team, even if they don't like it, you know? So I appreciate that. It's actually, I don't think that's an answer we've heard yet. No, asking questions not. A lot of times people like give advice that's so lofty or, you know, I just, I don't know. I just think it should be something that people can actually do that can be simple, that can make a difference, that's not too complicated or not too, um, almost like not, not physical. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes people give advice that's like, oh, dream big. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. okay. It's, <laughs> like not a ta- it's not tangible. With what money? It's not tangible. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. No, I get it. Will you tell our listeners where they can find you individually and then also how they can look up VI Academy, how they can find some of your webinars, et cetera? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Maria Khalil. Should I spell that out? Yeah. <laughs> We'll have it on Instagram too, yeah. but yeah, you can totally. Okay, it's um, it's M A R Y A K H A L I L Maria Khalil, and then for the VIP, if you are a practitioner, so if you are an esthetician or nurse or physician, you can email us at support at vipl.com to get access to our online learning platform and then if you and then that's a, another way you would also get our schedule for our live seminars and live webinars right now all our webinars are pretty much live and then you could replay them in the platform um but if you're yeah if you're a consumer or a patient you want to learn more about vipl you would just go to our instagram page at vipl Amazing. And if you have any questions for us about VIPL or you are one of our patients, not everybody who listens here obviously lives in Vegas, but if you do live in Las Vegas and have questions or need a consultation, our estheticians are available and fully trained on VIPL. Um, And if you need a virtual consult and you don't live here and you just have questions and need assistance finding a provider, um, Front Desk is happy to help you in any way at uh, dorose.com. So uh, Maria, thank you so much for coming on. You have been like a delightful guest and I'm just so happy that this is an open form style conversation and you were amazingly candid and so sweet and we just want to take the time to thank you so much yeah thank you um and if you have questions for us today don't forget to in uh send us uh an email i laugh every time (laughs) cashin hates me for this uh where can they send us an email cashin info at roseroompodcast.com awesome guys thank you so much for listening to today's edition of the coronacles uh we'll catch you next time which is day by day around here so uh we'll see you on the flip side and thank you so much for listening to this episode of rose room and cashin on wednesdays we drink drink pink. pink